You may have noticed that something is wonky with the crash here on the Lord's table that someone's missing, and that would be... Right, let's see how observant you are. Anyone? Aaron. The, the Magi, the wise men from the East. Or in this particular nativity set, the wise men from the East Coast. Somewhere in Connecticut, I think. Maybe time to replace this uh, old thing. But uh, yeah, we've got them down here along with their camels. One of them's taking a break. They're kind of coming from over there. And that might look weird to you, but maybe it doesn't, depending on what tradition you were raised in. In fact, this is kind of more accurate to not have the Magi on Christmas and a couple days after Christmas in the midst of the clump of all the people with the shepherds and Mary and Jesus and the angel and, and uh, Joseph and everybody. And in a lot of traditions, you will see that Starting a little earlier, they're bringing the Magi closer and closer and closer day by day until they finally arrive. And when do they arrive? On Epiphany. You know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, right? Very strange song about a lot of birds given from one person to another. But it's not just a weird one. It's actually reflective of the Christian calendar. Christmas is originally 12 days long. It starts on December 25th. It ends on January 5th, and then on January 6th, the Magi arrive, and we have Epiphany. And that is when we celebrate the Magi getting there, giving their gifts, and now not just shepherds, kind of the lowest of the low, but these highest of the high, giving honor and praise to this little baby. Now, every single year, Epiphany is on the same day, just like Christmas is on the same date, but not the same day of the week. And so the Epiphany Sunday varies from year to year. This year, it is going to be next Sunday, January 3rd. I'm not going to be here. My friend John Reed is going to be preaching. I don't know if he'll be preaching on Epiphany or Magi or what. In fact, hold on to your hats. It might be a little bit unusual. He's an he's a interesting guy. Um, but I know that it's a little odd to now be in this in-between Right? I mean, sure, if we were going to go by the church calendar, it's still Christmas. Christmas for 12 days, but we're Baptists, and Christmas is pretty much done. Our tree is even put away at home, uh, and what are we going to do now? We, they're not here. This is over. This isn't, and we're in this weird in-between period, and I don't think we're good with these in-between periods in the American church, in the church in the West, especially the evangelical church. I think about Holy Saturday, which is the day between Good Friday when we observe the death of Jesus on the cross and Easter Sunday when we celebrate his resurrection. There's that day in the middle when normally there'd be a vigil, there'd be prayer, there'd be meditating on the fact that God so became one of us, so vulnerable that he lay dead in a grave. We'd think about how Jesus went to the place of the dead and there preached to the souls uh, in, in prison and all these amazing things. But instead, what's happening recently is that more and more churches are just having a special extra Easter service on Saturday night. Not an Easter vigil, but a big He is risen blowout on Saturday night. And I'm like, yeah, He is risen, but guys, you're early. Don't rush it. But we don't like that in between. In fact, all of, all of Holy Week has kind of become this way. People like to come on Sunday for Palm Sunday. Give me one of those branches. I'll wave it around. Everybody's happy. Kids might sing a song. 
If, you're, if you go to a really big like mega church, maybe there's even going to be an actual donkey there. I'm getting out of bed for that 10 out of 10 times. And then I'm going to come back the next Sunday for he is risen. Everybody's happy. We're eating candy. They're all in their best clothes. In between, I notice a major drop in attendance and participation in something like Maundy Thursday or a Good Friday service where things are that awkward in-between time and, and we're in between highs and we're kind of struggling with how do we process this and we want to just jump ahead. We're not great at this kind of waiting and yet... Often in life, we don't have a choice with this kind of waiting. The joke is that when we drive up to my sister and and brother-in-law's house, at a certain point, I will start to get angry and go, where is this place? Because we've gotten off the freeway quite a long time ago, and we're way up in the north country, and I start to get antsy. And the point that I'm making here is, what's the point of that, right? I, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, Aaron, but like, we have two options, either go back or keep going forward. And if we're gonna keep going forward, Either I can sit there like a grown-up, or I can freak out and get mad and make everybody uncomfortable. So naturally, I freak out and get mad and make everybody uncomfortable. Because that is this awkward in-between. And so I think we're, we're, this kind of represents that. The, the Magi, almost there. We've had Christmas. We're not yet to Epiphany. And in a sense, we've been training for this all of Advent. Because Advent is all about Waiting. Right? Advent is about anticipation. And three of our texts during this Advent season have been about these in-between times of waiting. Where we, we were reading about the exile to Babylon, 70 years of exile, it's either done or just ending, and yet the prophets are going, okay, but when are we going back? We trust that God will make good on His Word and send us back, but when? And this kind of idea rings very true for me right now in this moment in our history and where we are in the world today. Where 2020 is almost over. That bad sentient year that was out to get us. And 2021 is about to begin. And we're hearing all this hopeful news and good news. Vaccine, vaccine, another vaccine on the horizon. This one's only one dose. Things are looking up and we're thinking, hey, this might be over. It might be over soon. 2020 is over. Things are looking, but when and how and what do we do in the awkward in between? And how do you keep from losing heart during that time? And part of me says, okay, what can I do to speed this up? I can do stuff. But let me, let me get in there. Maybe a bunch of us can. We've got the, the, the sense that nine months is enough. We've got the, the, the sense that we, we have the tools in hand, we have the willpower, we have the manpower. I mean, I know a lot of people are ready to, to do something after being told to sit home and do nothing for months and months on end, and yet there's really nothing to be done. As we've been waiting for the end of 2020, just a few days away, I'm afraid when 2021 begins, we're going to find we're still in the in-between time. And that's going to be kind of a rude awakening, I think, for some who have been counting on the new year to bring instant relief. I don't think anyone told 2021 how high our expectations are. We're not good at living in these in-between times. Just take the Magi, put them in the manger scene right away. When you set it up, boom, problem solved. We're all set. This all reminded me of uh, a time in my life 15 years ago, which I'd been thinking about for obvious reasons uh, earlier uh, in the fall, when I was waiting for the search committee at Judson to get back to me, and we had to meet together, we do an interview, uh, Barb, you are on that committee, and then, and then uh, you know, the, if, if I'd wait for a week and then hear back, yeah, we, we still like you. 
<laughs> now let's do this next step. Now let's do this next step. And I was blogging at the time because it was 2005. And uh, everyone, you had to blog or they would arrest you and drag you away in chains. Uh, and, and this is what I blogged on August 19, 2005. Here's a, a text from Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his, hope, in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. And then I wrote, it's exactly nine years to the day since I showed up at Cornerstone University, excited to start the pre-seminary program. You know, I don't remember feeling anxious to get through orientation or to get through my first year. I was comfortable that I was where God wanted me to be at that time. When I started seminary about five years ago, I was starting to get a little bit antsy, thinking the end was in sight. Yeah, right, one week of classes cured me of that. But now, all of a sudden, it seems like an eternity just to wait a week for a search committee to have their next meeting. Remember that 1970s poster that graced the walls of every church basement well into the 90s? It had a picture of a turtle looking all grumpy, and it said, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. I tried to find a JPEG of that poster, but all I could find was this Precious Moments figurine. By the way, those Precious Moments figurines give me the willies. Am I alone here? They don't look cute to me. They look like they're biding their time, waiting to come to life. I ramble on a bit about the Precious Moments. Yet I digress. Paul lists patience among the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if I allow the Holy Spirit to do His sanctifying work in me, I will have patience. I'm not 100% sure what it means then when I don't feel like waiting on the Lord. But the beautiful thing with patience is this. In most cases, you don't have a choice. God will do things in His time and in His way, whether I like it or not. Without patience, though, I'll most likely miss out on some other fruit of the Spirit, peace and joy. Now, I read those words for myself 15 years ago, and I think, oh, a little bit kind of insightful. And I also think, shut up, right? Oh, you had to wait a week to hear back that the job search is still going well. Poor baby. And also, I think, I'm on to you, buddy, because I remember very clearly writing that with an ulterior motive. Because the chair of the search committee, Tina Voss, had mentioned that she read my blog. She's like, oh, that's funny. And I thought, well, if, maybe if I blog about this, she'll read it and go, oh, yeah, I have an update I can give him. Or she'll drop me a note. Don't worry, things are going well. Or maybe she'd even say, let's move up the meeting for poor Pastor Zach, who's waiting on us. None of that happened, by the way. Uh, in fact, I went back through my email archives, and it was two weeks before I heard anything from that search committee. Again, you know how it turned out, for better or for worse for you guys. I thought it was very much for the better. But, you know, it was one of those things where I was impatient, but it was for a good reason. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to start my ministry. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to meet the people. I wanted to, I wanted to serve. It reminds me quite a bit of the end of the Gospels and actually really more into the beginning of Acts where Jesus gives a great commission that says we're going to proclaim the Gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're going out. We're going global, people. But then also in Acts 1-4, we read on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. This is the Holy Spirit. We're going. We're going out. Everybody ready? Make sure you get that extra tunic and that extra walking stick. And, you know, if you don't have a sword, buy one. Or uh, We won't talk about that now. It's a whole other can of worms. But when all that preparation also... Wait, don't, don't leave yet. Stay here. You're in that awkward in-between, guys. So stay here and wait. How difficult must that have been? And I think in 2020, the irony that I see 
is that this extended time of waiting has just pushed us further and further into a life and a mindset of instant results, demanding and expecting them. Now everybody is using and talking about Zoom, right? That was founded and named in 2012. Think about the name, Zoom, meant to evoke one thing, speed. You don't have to get in your car and drive to the meeting now. You don't even have to put on pants if you've got the webcam set up, right? You can just sit there and boom, meeting starts. As soon as it gets bored, you just type, sorry, something came up, and meeting, I'm out, whatever. Zoom, we got, we got that kind of thing. We've got all these same day shipping now, not even having to wait two days. We got curbside service. Yeah, I'm gonna be there in three minutes. You have it there, ready to go. Here's my credit card number. These things are happening quicker and quicker and quicker. Now when you drive by a billboard for an ER or an urgent care, it tells you exactly how many minutes you'll have to wait. So you can decide whether or not you really want to bother. Yeah, my pinky is just, it's hanging by a thread. Really, it's just skin at this point holding it on, but 37 minutes? I don't know. And yet long before all of this, we were already averse to waiting. And we were addicted to instant results. And like with any addiction, it ramped up more and more, and we needed more and more and faster and faster. It's funny to even look back at some of my old sermons. I've been preaching for 20 years, and sometimes you go back and look at, you know, was I better at things back then, or was I, you know, how have I improved? And, and if I preached on patience over the years, it's funny to watch the examples that come up. Because when I first started preaching, I'd talk about instant orange juice, drive through lunches or microwave meals. We can't even make, make a burrito anymore. You throw it in the microwave and three minutes later, your, your meal's ready. Or a couple years later, I was talking about one hour uh, dry cleaning or one hour photo development. Remember those little kiosks and parking lots? You drive up, and here's my film, and you come back in an hour and you already had your pictures? A couple years later, I was talking about how now we just send emails because we can't wait for a letter to arrive. That takes too long. A couple years later, I was talking about how we were just texting. We can't even wait for someone to check their email. I remember a few years ago hearing about people who no longer had leisure time or any margin in their lives at all because their bosses insisted and expected that they always are monitoring their inbox and responding immediately on their Blackberries. Remember Blackberries? You know I do. And I remember when I lived in Grand Rapids, this huge ad campaign that one of the local news stations did about how their, their uh, news program was no longer going to be 11 o'clock. Oh, no, no. We're not going to make you wait till 11. It's going to be 10. 10 p.m. you can get your news. And, and I don't know how much they paid, but they had the rights to Tom Petty's Waiting is the Hardest Part. We would play that and show these people sadly like waiting for the news and then happily go, oh, yeah, 10 o'clock. Now, if I hear sirens near my house, I take out my phone and I get annoyed if I can't find out immediately what it's all about. And I get annoyed if there's not already a story on like Lansing State Journal or WLNS or something. And some of these early examples of impatience sound quaint today, but they're all evidence of the same problem in our hearts, a lack of one of the fruit of the Spirit, which would be present if things were working correctly and we were open to the Holy Spirit and His working in, in us and not fighting against it. Our culture, especially our technology, continues to push and push us to remove waiting of any kind from our lives. But as Christians, and this is way countercultural, we've got to push back against that. Because God works on a different timetable. 
And not only does he see nothing wrong with waiting, it's something that he uses in building us up. It's something that he uses in renewing our minds. If you're taking notes right now, you want to write a big Roman numeral one. And there's only going to be two Roman numerals, don't worry. Roman numeral one, something I want to tell you that is very important, I want you to take home with you and remember, God is working while we are waiting. It's not wasted time. God is working while we are waiting. When we wait on Him, He is working in us making us more and more into the new creations we are intended to be. And that's something we desperately need. Even though it's our culture now really pushing and shoving us to be impatient and not to do any waiting, to reject that idea, it's nature, not nurture, that makes us impatient. You don't have to teach someone to be impatient. Two days old, a human is already impatient, right? I'm hungry, I'm not eating, I'm irate. And there they are. They're shouting and screeching. Two-year-olds are impatient. I saw some pictures on Facebook of, of some kids who were grasping Christmas for the first time this year and how fun and exciting that is and how the joy and everything. But I know from experience that there's also this deal where as soon as they get what presents are, two-year-olds are so impatient. They want all of them and they want all of them now. And, and when someone else opens one, they're monumentally offended by the very idea. What is going on here? Why is this person opening a present? It's natural to us in our sin nature, and yet God wants to teach us to trust His timing. John Piper wrote this, Waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. And it's the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It's staying at your appointed place while He says stay, or it's going at His appointed pace while He says go. It's not impetuous, and it's not despairing. When I'm tempted to give in to impatience, I have to recognize as a believer, indwelled with the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Spirit working in me, I can choose to let go of all the angst and anxiety, and I can choose to say, God, you know what? Crazy idea. You be God. You're better at it than I am. We all have our strengths. One of yours is being God. One of mine, not so much. I have that ability in the Spirit when I'm tempted to give in to impatience. And God is doing more than just increasing our capacity to wait while we're waiting, which would seem a little bit frustrating, right? You, you have to wait, and so you learn patience, which enables you to wait more. He's also building up our spirit. He is teaching us and granting us humility. Think about that. At the core of pretty much all impatience is a little category confusion that I think I'm the most important person in this line, in this traffic jam, in this world, and that's why I am impatient. And I am demanding that my needs are attended to right now. God, thank you. In addition, perhaps he's testing your motives or purifying your heart or preparing us to properly give thanks. I know for a fact that there have been times when I've had to wait for something, and then as a result, when I received it, I was much more thankful for it. Could very well be that that's why God is making us wait, because we've been taking Him and His gifts for granted. Roman numeral two. What to do while you're waiting? Because you want to do something, right? No one just wants to wait. In fact, there was an airport in 2016 
that had been getting so very many complaints from, from people flying through that they had to wait so long at the luggage carousel that they said, this is a big problem. We're starting to get a lower rating. Let's address it. So they hired a bunch more baggage handlers. They tried to get things going quicker, more efficient, and they shaved two minutes down so that they had like an industry-leading eight-minute turnaround from when you landed and taxied up and started getting off to when you could pick your bag up off that carousel. And yet, only a few fewer complaints were coming in. People were still upset. They were still annoyed. So they hired an efficiency expert to come in. And he said, it's not an efficiency problem. In fact, you have too much efficiency. Your baggage claim is too close to your gates. Switch it up so that you have to walk way across the airport. Because what's going on is it only takes one minute for people to get there, and then they stand there for seven minutes staring at this empty thing. And as soon as they changed that up and made it so it took five, six minutes to get there, the complaints pretty much dried up. It wasn't that there was too much time, it was that there was too much unoccupied time. And people didn't like that. They wanted something to do. People don't like being alone with their thoughts, especially those who don't know Jesus. That goes very dark, very quick. Look at that empty baggage carousel going around and around, just like my life. Ah, give me something to do. And so there, we want something to do. I think there are things that we can do, not just to occupy our minds so they're not unoccupied, but to kind of team up with God in the work of sanctifying us. You know, I always want something to do when I'm waiting. It, it, it's a, a fact. It's a problem, perhaps. I was, it surprises many, but I was an early adopter, even though I still rock the Palm Pilot. I had one before any, anybody had a device. Very few people I had in 2001, one of these things, in my pocket all the time, so that if ever I got bored or had to wait in line at the supermarket or the bank or in the drive-thru or wherever, I could pull it out. I could go through my Hebrew flashcards and I could work on my schoolwork. I could, I could study for a test. I could write a paper because I had a little collapsible keyboard. There was no wasted time. There was no downtime. There was no unoccupied time. Well, now everyone has such a device in their pocket. Any more than 10 or 15 seconds of waiting, out come the smartphones, the Instagram feeds, the latest news, all of this you know, celebrity gossip if you're Sean Douglas. And, you know, we, we don't want to be unoccupied, but God tells us to wait on Him, to exercise patience. And just like all exercise, exercising patience makes us stronger. It strengthens us. It strengthens our ability to trust in Him entirely. It strengthens our ability to let Him work in His way and in His time and not to try and figure out what I can do to speed these things up. That's my default setting just like it's yours. And, and I think something that we have to recognize and own is that when we get into that mindset where any waiting feels like a waste or almost like an evil, that this is less of a cute foible and more of actual evidence of my sin nature. This is very much like Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, I will provide for you. Trust me. You can eat from any of these trees, just not this one. Just don't eat from this one. For on the day that you do, you shall surely die. And they said, oh, that's what God said. You know who'd be a better God? Us. Absolutely. Let's go eat from that tree. It's not much different from wait on me. Wait upon the Lord and I will strengthen you. Oh, yeah, that's what God says. But you know who'd be a better God? Me. I've got shortcuts. I've got ideas. People do not wait for much of anything. I saw a survey the other day about the state of sexual ethics in America. Who's waiting? Almost no one. 
And I think part of it is we've lost our, our Christian kind of undergirding, our Christian ethics. We've lost uh, the share of people that are even involved in a church or learning or being catechized. But I think part of it's just impatience too. People don't want to wait for anything. What is it? It's just uh, have sex, move in together, say I love you, get married. Literally none of those is in the right order, but I want what I want and I want it right now. Quick, quick, quick. We want everything that we want. We want it immediately. We, we want to gain the world. But as Jesus rhetorically asked in Mark 8, what good is it if you gain everything and yet lose your soul? Impatience demands quick results. And often those quick results come in the form of an expedited losing of our souls and feeding of our sin natures. I can see this sin nature at work in me when I'm driving. You've heard me talk about this before, and you may be thinking, Pastor Zach, are you making any spiritual progress? I think so. But I'll tell you what, when I bring my son to school, this is telling. Now, it's one thing if you're trying to get there and you're running late, and somebody is being a bozo in front of you, and you're going, come on, i got to get there. It's another thing if because of COVID, your kid can't even enter the building until 745, and it takes 10 minutes to get there, and you leave at 730, but every time you stop behind someone, you find yourself going, come on, go! What are you doing? Oh, come on, man! Why? Why? So I can get there and then say, oh, you can sit in the warm car. Hurry up and wait? I'd rather hurry up and wait than simply accept that some things take some time and ask God to give me patience. I think perhaps that's the greatest way I've failed as a father thus far, is not modeling this kind of patience that waits on the Lord. However, I look so stupid flipping out at the wheel that I think it has the same effect of teaching Calvin that he ought to have patience. But these sorts of things are, are real problems. They're not cute. They're not funny. And what's truly frightening is that behind this is a tendency to say the same sort of things to God, like I'm behind him at a light. Come on, what are you doing? You bonehead, go! Go! You can turn on red! Come on! Eh, eh, eh. The God of the universe does not respond well to this. So, instead of pushing forward or trying to leave God behind, here are some things we can do while we wait. Number one, as we sit in the in-between times, we can remind ourselves that God is sovereign and we are completely dependent on Him. When you get to a red light, when you're in a hurry, it might seem random. But Proverbs tells us that even when you cast a die, it's every decision is from the Lord. Maybe when things slow down or screech to a halt for a second, I need to say, oh, God is sovereign. There's probably a reason for this. There's probably a reason I need this at this moment. Ecclesiastes 7, 13 and 14 says this, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what He has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider... God has made the one as well as the other so that we may not find anything that will be after him. That God is in charge is a comfort to us when we are waiting. And I may long for a quick fix, and I might even have a quick fix ready to go, but it's not going to be as good as what God will offer me if I wait on him. Case in point, Abraham and the promise that I will give you land, a relationship of blessing, and so many descendants, as many as there are stars in the sky. And yet years and years go by, and his wife is getting older and older, and so is he. And finally he thinks, ooh, I've got a quick fix. 
And she says, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do this. Handmade Hagar, here you go. And she has a son, but the quick fix is not what God had for him. And so he waits on the Lord and he learns his lesson in that moment. The lesson, the same lesson that, that we were reading about right before we paused our study of Ephesians for Advent in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to His power at work within us. You know, it's like the difference between someone who wins the lottery and says, you know what, I won $4 billion, but rather than getting payments over time, I'll take the $3,000 lump sum payout right now. I'd rather have something in my pocket at the moment. Don't do that. Let it ride. Trust that God is in control. Secondly, pray for patience and spiritual strength. When you find yourself lacking them, pray for them. God will answer that prayer. Isaiah 40, 31, we read, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. These prayers aren't necessarily answered by the immediate disappearance of all of our are-we-there-yet thoughts and feelings, but they are answered. In fact, as we wait and pray, the very waiting may bring about that answer and give us that spiritual strength that we seek. Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Thirdly, enjoy God's presence and comfort even in or perhaps especially in these times of uneasy waiting. We all know Psalm 23, right? The shepherd's psalm. How does it begin? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It starts with this thing, this statement. God is the shepherd and I, I don't have to worry about having my needs met because I have this great shepherd. Just like a sheep need not worry. But then immediately, while it sounds nice, leading me to these green pastures, making me lie down by these still waters, restoring my soul. He's talking about waiting. He's talking about a time of replenishment. Those sheep are getting nothing done except maybe slowly growing out that wool so later it can be a sweater. A time of replenishment is hard to see but by the eyes of faith. Much of this year has been an exercise in slowing down, putting things on hold. For many people that has brought uncertainty and great difficulty and even tragedy. But I've also read of many people finding in this time a great connection to God, a closer walk with Him that they had been slowly walking away from. In Lamentations 3.26, we read, It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Psalm 62.5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. See, when things are busy and frantic and our schedules are packed full, it's easy to forget that He is our hope. That He is our rest. And it's easy to go, eh, later on, if I need it. God is sovereign. Knows what we need. Enjoy His presence and comfort. Fourthly, get, see I said there's only two of those Roman numerals, but then I just loaded up the second one. It was tricky. Fourthly, get deep into His Word. Have you noticed I'm throwing a ton of Scripture at you right now? 
I'm just just boom, barrage of scripture. That's because God's word has so much to say on this topic. And I've noticed that when people are waiting on God, if they had begun to kind of neglect scripture, they rediscover it. And it pulls them back in. And it comes to life again in a new way. Perhaps that's why God is making them wait. Maybe he's doing these things to draw us back out of ourselves and self-sufficiency and back to himself and his word, the words of life. The more we read the word of God, the more we can, in the words of Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. In fact, God's Word is an antidote for the sort of fretting and worrying and giving in to outright fear that tends to occupy us when we're waiting and things are out of our hands. Along with being still and quiet and waiting on the Lord, this goes hands in hand with not being afraid. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Or to put it positively, Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And number five, remember that God hasn't forgotten us. Make sure that you remember that God hasn't forgotten. Psalm 62, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. I might be shaken, but I won't be greatly shaken. Remember His faithfulness in the past. The Magi arrived. They did. Right on time to see the star over the Holy Child. Abram's wife conceived in her old age and bore a son, who then fathered a son, who then fathered 12 sons, who then did bring about a great, great nation. The Spirit came at Pentecost after their waiting. They didn't even have to wait that long, not even two months. God heard the cries of His children in Egypt and came down and set them free, and we believe that Christ will come again. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And Paul said, yeah, he's coming soon. And Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And today we pray the same thing and know that these things are just as true. Because as we heard in Psalm 27, there, there is a very big difference between our timing and God's. And as we sang in our God and help in ages past, a thousand ages are like an evening gone by to God. Trust in Him. He is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. If I had to sum this all up, I think that maybe that same Paul could do better than me, and he did in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You hear all that together? Be thankful, be praying, be asking God for what you lack. And He will strengthen you. Seek God and His ways and His plans, not yourself and your ways and your plans. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. i got to stop. i got more, but you get the idea. 
Be still and wait upon the Lord, and He will not let you down. Yes, there are awkward in-between times when we say, God, I, just, I don't know if I can wait any longer. I'm at the end of myself. And that is when he says, perfect, come to me, rest in me, and trust me to do greater, more abundant things than you could ever ask or think according to his power at work within us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, a reminder from your word that there is no waste in waiting if we're waiting on You. It is not a problem to be solved, but a tool that You use to make us more like Your Son, Jesus, and to make us more dependent on You, to make us more able to fulfill the very reason for which we were created, which is to glorify You and enjoy You forever. Lord, we pray that we would be patient people when we enter eternity, that we wouldn't be saying, is it over yet? Is it over yet? But live in the moment of adoring You and be thankful that there are infinite more moments coming on the far side of that one. Lord, we thank You that You are patient with us when we are impatient. We thank You that You do not just leave us to our own devices, but that You are long-suffering, slow to anger, quick to forgive. And Lord, we repent of our impatience during this season in our land, in our world, and this year. Lord, we do pray that 2021 would bring great blessings, but we pray, Lord, that as You do this in Your timing, You would be working in our hearts to do what You have determined. In Your holy name we pray. Amen. If you would, take your hymnal and flip over to 690. We will be singing, He leadeth me. And we will go ahead and sing the first and last stanzas of that one. <laughs> 